sing together. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God. The vilest defender who truly believed that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. The glory, great things he had done, great things he had taught us, great things he had done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. So come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. In 385, verily, verily, I say unto you, 385, Let's sing it out. Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he hath made me free. He that believeth on the Son, saith he, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true hath everlasting life. All my iniquities on him were laid. All my indebtedness by him was paid. All who believe on him, the Lord has said, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Though poor and needy, I can trust my Lord. Though weak and sinful, I believe his word. Oh, glad message, every child of God hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. Though all unworthy, yet I will not doubt, for him that cometh he will not cast out. He that believeth all the good news shout, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. And let's turn to 163. I will sing of my Redeemer. Why? Because he saved me. Amen. He saved me perfectly. Let's sing it out. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered, 
from the curse to set me free. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the head and made me free. I will sing a wondrous story, how my lost estate to save. In his boundless love and mercy, he the ransom freely gave. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer, with his blood he purchased me. On the cross, he sealed my pardon, paid the death, and made me free. I will praise my dear Redeemer, his triumphant power I'll tell, how the victory he giveth over sin and death and hell. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer, with his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. I will sing of my Redeemer and his heavenly love to me. He from death to life has brought me, Son of God with him to be. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. Doesn't that just bring joy to your heart? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Redeemer. You willingly, willfully paid the purchase price that we may go free. Lord, we thank you for your great love that you have shown to us. And Lord, our request is that you would charge us up, that you would strengthen us, encourage us to live each day in that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Take just a few minutes. Uh, maybe we could have a uh, final hand count or head count. How many are planning, men, are you planning to be here Saturday to help us with the painting? Uh, if you can be here, raise your hand and we'll say one, two, three, four. Okay, and we got a couple. Are you going to come, Nathaniel? Okay. Now, out of those that raised their hand, how many of you are familiar with using a roller and a brush and all of that? Uh, you've done this quite a bit and know what you're doing. Okay. All right. That helps me out a lot. And uh, we'll, if you're not, we'll teach you how. Amen? Uh, but you have to be patient with us because we've got to get the other guy started first. And uh, we've only got about 4,000 square foot of wall to paint. And if that sounds like a lot, it's only because it is. And um, if you would uh, pray for us, those of you that cannot be here, and uh, w that we could get this thing done, uh, just to let you know, uh, we have the trim almost completely painted. And uh, what we're going to be uh, doing is trying to get the walls painted and the trim up. And so uh, that is uh, ambitious, to say the least. Uh, but if we could get that done, the basement would be at the 90% finish mark. And uh, you would be looking at a very, very happy pastor, I'll tell you that. So please, if you would, pray for us that we can get this done. Ladies, we have tracks. Uh, I think some of you have seen them. Uh, our new little Thanksgiving tracks. There are some on the table there. And uh, if you need some more, we have about a thousand of these, 
And uh, so we want to get these out. And then we have 2,000 uh, tracks that have a picture of the Statue of Liberty on the front, and they say, how to get to heaven from New York. And uh, Ruth Ann was questioning her mother about that, and she says, well, what happens if they're from somewhere else? And, uh, well, the message is good no matter where you are, amen? And so, uh, and then there's some others that have a little butterfly on the front that says, you must be born again. And so uh, we're trying these things just to give you an idea uh, these tracks found them. They're printed in a, in a church in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, we can buy uh, one of these tracks. Let me see if I get this right. For about 50, for the same price as 50 of the tracks that we print ourselves. And uh, the problem is we don't have time to go down and run the printing press while we're painting walls and doing all this stuff. So. Uh, pray that we can get back and get some printing done, but uh, they, they are very nice tracks, and we'll probably get them for special occasions and things in the future, and, and uh, let's make sure we just get them all out. Amen? And uh, so um, we will have a visitation for any of the ladies that want to come at 2 o'clock and, and pass out tracks. We'll, we'll make sure that you have an opportunity to do that. Then what we're praying for is to be finished by time for prayer meeting. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And so uh, pray about that, and uh, let's see what will happen. Uh, two other announcements. Um, we've been praying years for uh, Susie Ting. That's Shirley's uh, sister. She went uh, to the Philippines to be with her and her sister, uh, passed away Monday afternoon, uh, about 5 o'clock the time in the Philippines, which was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon here, because they're a day ahead of us. And uh, I was talking with George, and he said he believed the funeral was today, so uh, please keep uh, the family in prayer. And I think it will still be a couple of weeks before Shirley's able to come back. And so keep George and Sean in prayer. As uh, he's having to do a lot of extra work there, so pray for him if you would. And uh, Credo would not let me tell you before he already moved, but uh, Credo has moved to Boston. Some of you knew that, some of you did not. And, and so uh, uh, pray, pray for him. He's got to get adjusted and got to get him a job up there, and a lot of things happening. So uh, if you don't see Credo, it's, it's not because he ran away or did some horrible thing, but he, uh, his brother got married and has moved to Boston and moved mom and Credo, uh, Credo and his mother up there with them. And so just pray that Credo gets all settled in, if you would, all right? All right, let's sing one more song, and then we'll get into the Bible study tonight. 470, Living for Jesus, 470. Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free, this is a pathway of blessing for me. Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to for thee alone, living for Jesus who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace, 
Such love constrains me to answer his call. Follow his leading and give in my all. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne, my life I give henceforth to live, O Christ for thee alone. Let's sing that third as the last. Living for Jesus wherever I am, to Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to for thee alone. And all God's people said, Hebrews chapter 6, for the fifth time, amen? Hebrews chapter 6, and uh, just wanted to finish this. We got about halfway through Christian perfection, and... Uh, this is something that is attainable, something that God wants each one of us to have, and that's the direction that we are supposed to be going in. And uh, we got through Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, where in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus commanded, it says, Be ye perfect. Now, what does that mean to be perfect? Perfect. Does that mean I'm supposed to be sinlessly perfect and never think a wrong thought and never do a wrong deed and always drive at five miles below the speed limit and never get upset when I'm cut off in traffic? Well, that, I mean, that's part of it. Uh, but that's not perfection. We are trusting God for our salvation. That is what it's talking about by being perfect. We are loving people who do not love us. Hey, only through Christ can we do that. Read the context. Matthew chapter uh, 5 is right at the end of the chapter, and he's talking about uh, all of these different things that the world does. Hey, the world loves their friends and hates their enemies, don't they? Christians aren't supposed to do that. What do you think would happen in this world if God decided to stop blessing the unjust people? No rain in their country. The earth tilted the wrong way. It was only nice and sunny where Christians live. That would be very hard to do, number one. And number two, it's out of God's character because he shows his love and his wonder to us, to all that live through his creation. Amen? You start in chapter 6. First thing is, if you're doing your religious, duty, your religious duties so that people can notice them, that's not what God wants. That command to be perfect comes right in between those two things, and that's the context. Stop trusting in your works and trying to think about yourself and love the world. That's how you can be perfect. The rich young ruler. He told him, if you want to be perfect, 
Sell everything you have and follow me. By the way, we're taking an offering at the end of the... No, uh, we're not taking an offering at the end of the service. What Jesus was trying to tell him is you cannot have anything between you and God. If everything is out of the way, the old hymn says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. If we can see how sweet the preaching is and not be mouthed in the first point. Um, he was awake when I started. Uh, so anybody says that preaching's not sweet, you know now how sweet it is, right? And uh, But here we go. Nothing. You hold on to nothing between you and Christ. He had to sell his riches because he was trusting in them and not in Jesus. God's not against you having things. He's against things having you. Amen? And if there's anything in your life that has you, that you are more wrapped up in than you are in Jesus Christ. You say, but my family. Wait, wait a minute. Who gave you your family? God did. But I, I got to pay my bills. Yes. But who promised to supply your needs? God has. That doesn't mean you quit your job and sit down on the sidewalk and say, God's going to provide all my needs, all right? Uh, that's not biblical. God, God has some things he wants us to do, amen? But it's got to be him first. We got through 1 Corinthians, and we were moving pretty quick there, but... The whole idea of perfection, he told Paul what? My strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. When we are weak, when we admit that we cannot do it, when we're trusting in the power of God to get us through, that is Christian perfection. Don't allow the world's definition of the word cross your understanding of the scripture and let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where we're going to pick up tonight Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, you are in the place where you're going to be perfected here's what the church is all about look at verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4 and he gave some you know there's a lot of people that get all tied up in spiritual gifts uh, don't go taking a gift assessment my friend they, they actually have these things it's a test that you can take and it will tell you what the gifts of the Holy Spirit which gifts of the Holy Spirit you possess now, I'll be very plain with you, that's, well, if, if you fed it, I was going to say that's hogwash, but if you fed that to the pigs, it'd make them sick. You know that? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are exercised in the church of Jesus Christ. You get busy serving, and you'll find out what your gifts are, amen? You get busy doing what God wants you to do today. We need some men with the gift of painting for Saturday. Amen? Get that thing done. Actually, it's called helps in the Bible. You didn't think painting was in the Scripture, did you? But it is. It's helps. There is a gift. These gifts here in Ephesians are not things that are endued in individuals, but the individuals themselves. Where it says in, in verse 11, and he gave what? He gave some. He gave these people 
apostles, prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These gifts are given to the church. And this idea of apostle, that's where our Bible came from. The apostle Paul. Amen. They, depending on which Bible you have, it'll say uh, the letter or the epistle of the Apostle Paul to the Galatians, to the, the Ephesians, uh, and, and all of these different things. And it'll say, uh, let me see what this one says here. I don't think this one says anything. It just says the gospel according to St. Matthew. And um, the idea of an apostle, scriptural definition, you must be an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord. You had to see the physical appearance of the resurrected Lord. So next time you open, flipping through your yellow pages and you see such and such a church, apostle, whatever, is the presiding elder, you can pretty much rest assured he doesn't know the biblical definition of the word apostle. Because I don't think he's 1900 and some odd years old. Do you? The apostle Paul was the last apostle. He said as one born out of due time because his witness of the resurrected Lord was on the road to Damascus. The second requirement of an apostle is they have to be personally trained by Jesus. The twelve disciples and the apostle Paul fit those qualifications. Now, I had a professor in Bible college whose last name was Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T. But his first name was Richard. And nobody had any problem confusing him, uh, not confusing him with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, he was an ordinary man. Jesus was not. And so, though I could tell you I studied under Christ at Bible College, that's how his name was spelled, it wasn't the same one. Amen? And anyone who makes that claim today, guess what? They're in the same boat. It's not the one in the Bible. Amen? So, we have no apostles. You know why? We don't need them. They've already given us everything we need to know. It's all written down right here. If we needed any new revelation directly from God, we would have apostles. But last time I checked, this was everything God wants us to have. Therefore, apostles aren't necessary. Prophets. Now, the idea of a prophet is someone who gives the knowledge directly from God of things you cannot know except God revealed it to the prophet. You look through the a 70, what was it, two-thirds of our Bible, somewhere in that neighborhood, was prophecy when it was written. It was thing, about things that have not happened yet. There are many prophecies in the Scripture that have not yet been fulfilled. But I heard tell of a Baptist preacher one time preaching in a pulpit and he was telling everybody that God always had to profit for an age and, and he went back to Abraham and Isaac and, and Isaiah and Jeremiah and strangely enough when he got to the 20th century it was his name that he put in there. Would you believe that? Absolutely ridiculous, is it not? I don't care what phenomena I could do. If I could go down here, and we've given this example, if I could go down here to the old Astoria General Hospital and empty it. I mean, the guy's laying there on the operating table, and they're cutting them open, and pieces of them are all over the place, and I just tap him on the shoulder, and he's all well, hops up off the table and says, See you later, Doc. That'd be a miracle, would it not? But if I could perform that miracle, which I cannot, but if I could, and I came into this pulpit and I said, now look at all the things that I've done 
I'm going to change what the Bible says because I have the right to. Would you listen to me? I hope not. I hope you get up and walk right out. Because God doesn't change His Word. Amen? And we don't need to reprove what has already been proved. So we've got apostles, we've got prophets, we've got, and some evangelists. Those are missionaries. Those are church planters. Amen? How many of you enjoyed the missionaries that were in? Wasn't that a blessing? Just to be able to meet and hear. And their works were as different as different could be, weren't they? I mean, Brother Hearn been in Nepal four and a half years, and he's just so far been able to open a bookstore. That's how far he's gotten so far. It's a closed society. It's very difficult. He's got to find national Nepalese and win them to the Lord and train them, and they must organize their own church for it to be a real church in Nepal. You talk about a tough way to do things. It really is. Brother Mickey, he's been on the field 12 years, and he's got 12 churches and a Bible college of over 100 students. Sit there and go, wow. I'm ready to move to Kenya. How about you? No, got to be where God wants you to be. Amen. Evangelists, we have those today because there's still work to be done. Brother Clayton's going to come be with us in, uh, in December of this year. How many of you remember the 4th of July? Wasn't that a fun time? We're going to try it again, December. Only we can't get the quartet here. So you guys are going to provide the special music, all right? So start thinking about something that you want to sing. And, and uh, we'll try to get some different languages. And we'll just have a fun time. And we'll sing a bunch of Christmas songs. And Brother Clayton will preach to us. And, and Brother Clayton's been instrumental in helping churches get started all over this country. He paid the rent for our church for the first week of meetings we had. He said, how much is the rent on this place? I said, Brother Clayton, we already took care of that. He said, how much is it? And I told him, and he reached into his pocket and said, I'm paying the rent. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's an evangelist. Most preachers come in, they expect an offering. He come, The first time he was here, he gave one. And uh, so we praise the Lord. And then some pastors and teachers. Do I have to stop and explain that one? I don't think so. For the perfecting of the saints. That's what it says. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. If you want to be made perfect in Jesus Christ, guess where you need to be? In church. Amen? Why? Because that's God's plan. That's why. It's not because I'm the greatest preacher. It's hard for me to get up here and say, I'm the pastor, and you need to be in church if you want to serve Christ. But that's just the long and the short of it and everything in between. The local church is God's plan. You can't improve on it. And if you want to be perfected as a saint, now here's what's going to happen. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what the church is all about, those three things. Now, if you want to read the characteristics of a perfect saint, here's where they are. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. That is a sign of a perfected saint, is they believe the right things about the Word of God. It's not complicated. How do you get saved? By grace through faith. It's all the work of Christ and none the work of us. Amen? How do you get baptized? got to be in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. you got to be saved, and you got to be put all the way under the water. Amen? You see, we agree on those things. That unity of the faith, we're reaching perfection. Amen? This is the Bible definition. 
If you believe this book is the sum total of all God's revelation to mankind and that it's perfectly preserved in the English language for you and I today, and we don't need to judge it and tear it apart and criticize it, we just need to obey it, guess what? You're getting more and more perfect all the time. Amen? It's the unity of the faith. You know, there are many churches that don't believe those things. There are many churches that believe the only way you can understand the Bible is for the church to tell you what it means because no one else can interpret the Bible. No. Read it. We agree on it. I mean, stop and think about the freedom you have in a Baptist church. You take the Bible home and you study it. And let me tell you, if you have a question about anything I preach, I'm a human being. I've put Noah on, I mean, Moses on Noah's Ark. I've done all kinds of crazy things from time to time because my tongue gets all tangled up around my eye teeth, can't see what I'm saying, and it comes out wrong. Uh, sometimes I've made honest mistakes, and I've gotten up here and apologized for them. I'm, we're, we're serving God together, amen? And what we got to do is, is, it says... Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto what? A perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If our church is doing what Jesus Christ wants us to do to reach this world for the gospel, guess what? We've got some perfect members. Amen. That's what it's talking about. If we agree on doctrine, if we agree on our understanding, that's unity. We are going to learn about Jesus Christ, and guess what we're going to do? We're going to do what he wants us to do. And I'm asking you over the next few weeks, pray about your missions commitment for the next couple of years. For the next year, I'm sorry, not a couple of years, for the next year. Lord willing, we'll have another missions conference in October or November of next year, and and uh, we'll start this thing all over again. But we need to be able to plan. And, and uh, I would like for us to take on some more missionaries and, and be involved in some projects here and, and do some things because that's a body that does nothing is either very sick or dead, one of the two. Amen? We want the body to move. And as it moves in obedience to Christ, that is the biblical definition of perfection. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. How many of you remember when Oral Roberts saw 900 foot Jesus and said, send me $8 million or God's going to kill me in 30 days? or 90 days or whatever it was. You know, a lot of people, really happened, preacher on television. You know what the true child of God did when that came up? He said, I remember when he did it, I said, what a joker. It would be funny. In fact, I remember preachers joking, I only need to see about 150 foot Jesus and he'd pay off all of our bills, amen? And, and, but what, what was that? A lot of people went crazy over that thing and prayed every day that God wouldn't kill Oral Roberts. What kind of God is it that kills people if they can't raise money? There are little old ladies that went hungry to send that filthy, rotten liar money because they were afraid God was going to kill them. Little children tossed to and fro. How many of you have ever seen Tony Alamo's paper? Every once in a while they put the whole bunch of them all over Astoria. Uh, let me warn you, if you see a paper and it says Tony Alamo, what was it? Tony Alamo Ministries... Tony Alamo, Church of God in Holiness by the Seventh Day Farm. Something. He's got a name on his thing that long. Just throw it in the trash. How many people have thrown their medicine away 
because some kooky preacher told him, you're healed of all your diseases, and if you don't have faith, you won't be healed, so throw all your medicine away, and they died. It has happened. It has. It's documented. It has happened. Little children tossed to and fro. There are all kinds of things that go on today. Somebody wrote a book a few years ago called The Da Vinci Code. A lot of people's faith has been overthrown by that book. A lot of people would rather believe the Da Vinci Code than they would this book called the Bible. You know why? Because they're little children being tossed and fro. They're imperfect. It does not take a scholar to debunk the Da Vinci Code. In fact, it takes a great question of your intelligence if you picked up the book and read it at all. There is not one ounce of truth or reality in that book. The author just, he started with, uh, which one was it? The Gospel of Thomas, correct? And uh, that historically is known as part of the pseudepigrapha, if you like a big theological term. For the last 1,500 years, the Gospel of Thomas, well, I don't think it was around 1,500 years ago. It was probably written somewhere between 800 and 1,200 A.D. and signed Thomas's name and written on old paper, and it may even be newer than that, we don't know. But it has been classified as long as it has existed as part of the pseudo-false pagrapha writings. So where does Mr. Brown go? He goes to the garbage can of theology, and then he is not even honest enough to take everything out of the book that's in there. He only picks and chooses what parts of the book fit his master plan for his novel. And ask Mr. Brown what kind of book the Da Vinci Code is. It is not in the nonfiction section of the bookstore. Because it is a novel. Kind of like that Democrat that wrote the book, uh, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, the guy's name was Franken, Al Franken, Give Me My Country Back, or something like that. Wrote this book on all the lies of the book. No, it was called Liars and Something. Liars and Something had a picture of President Bush on there. Open up the front of the page and it says, this book is not historically accurate. This book is a novel. You know why he had to put that in there? Because if he wrote those things and claimed for them to be truth, he could be thrown in jail for defamation of character and slander and libel. Now, Mr. Brown does the same thing with theology. Just another joke. It's a parody on the truth. But people get so swept up in that, they get swept away. If you are a perfect saint, the Bible says that you're not like a little child that gets all upset every time some new thing comes along. That, that you have, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. You know, there's a lot of angst over the outcome of the elections. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people are wondering what those wascally Republicans are going to do now, how they're going to uh, switch the elections that have already been lost, and how they're going to take power back. And Some people were worried that the Democrats, uh, they're going to take this whole country and it's going to be gone in a week. Let me tell you what. Neither one's going to happen. I'm praying for gridlock best thing that could ever happen. When government does nothing, we are safe. Amen? <laughs> Just something to think about. But if you're all worried, now I'll tell you, I had to stop and think about things, and I had to look at the Bible here, and it says, well, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be tossed to and fro by everything that's happening around me. 
I'm supposed to speak the truth in love and grow up into Jesus. I'm supposed to be more concerned about him and serving him than what's going on around me. That is a sign that I'm growing towards perfection in Christ. Amen? Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Here is Christian perfection. Number one, unity of the faith. Number two, the knowledge of the Son of God. Number three, not being tossed around, but growing up into Jesus in love. Number four, the church edifies itself. It grows itself in love. Perfect church is growing in love. Love one for another, amen? If you can't find love and compassion in this church, there's something wrong. If you cannot give love and compassion to other people in this church, something's wrong. Say, but I don't want to love that person. Tough. God loved you, Amen. Listen, that's perfection when those things happen. It's not this idea of absolute sinless perfection where I never do anything wrong. It is keeping Jesus first and growing in the church and working his plan through the church. I challenge you today, your relationship with Christ cannot be what he wants it to be unless you are working and living inside the influence of a local independent Bible-believing, and I believe the name Baptist should be on the door. Amen? Uh-oh. Am I in the wrong place? Which Amen? Uh-oh. Maybe we should take Baptist off the door, huh? Listen. That's what perfection is in the church. And when we're doing those things, our church will be perfect. Because we're all perfect. We're perfectly saved, remember that? If there's nothing between us and Christ, we're perfect, according to the story of the rich young ruler. Look at uh, the book of Philippians. Here's, here's our perfect mental attitude. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. I just want to read verse one, verse 6 out of chapter 1. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. That word will perform it, will finish it, will finish it as is connected to the same word, will perfect it. Amen? Because the word perfect means complete. It means done. And so it's the same basic idea until the day of Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to chapter 3. And, and there's so many verses that we could go through here, but let's just start in verse 12. This is Paul speaking. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. He said, I don't think I'm perfect. He said, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be what? Perfect. If you have this mind in you, you're perfect. Isn't that wonderful? The mind is, I'm not perfect. I'm pressing on. I'm trying to apprehend. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to get a hold of that thing which already has a hold of me. Amen? He says, I forget those things which are behind and, 
And let me tell you, dwelling on your successes can be just as harmful as dwelling on your failures. Forgetting those things which are behind, let's press on toward that mark. And Paul says, if anyone, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I love the way Paul speaks. He said, if you have any other, di- any other ideas, let me tell you something. Just be patient. God will show you that what I told you is all you need to know. Amen? Now, Paul wasn't being arrogant here. He's speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul is not playing mind games. He's trying to help us understand what a perfect mind is. It is reaching forward each day, pressing toward the mark that when we meet Jesus, we'll hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. That's the perfect mind. Have you ever met anybody who thought they had it all together? Maybe at work, you have somebody that knows everything. Ever met anybody like that? Do they know everything? No, in fact, uh, the person who thinks they know everything just proves they have a very small library. Amen? They just prove that they have a very small realm of knowledge. We don't know everything. But I'll tell you what, we need to be pressing toward that mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We need to be forgetting those things that are behind and moving forward. Each day is a brand new gift from God to serve Him. Agree with this book called the Bible? You're perfect. If not, Let God perfect you, and then you can agree with the Bible. Amen? The Bible doesn't have any problems. It is us. It is we who has the problems. Turn just a page over to Colossians, and and we'll probably finish up with this here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, what's Paul doing here? Again, same thing as we studied in the book of Ephesians. He's talking to the local church. He's saying what we are trying to teach you is so that you can listen and obey and live and be perfect when you stand before God. Do you think God is going to accept an imperfect salvation into heaven? Why not? Very simple. He perfected salvation himself. And if your salvation is imperfect, it's because you don't have his. And if you don't have his salvation, you're not going to make it. You've got to have Christ's salvation. Amen? I believe that there's going to be an awful lot of things straightened out when we get to heaven. I believe that there's going to be a a lot of people who are going to be very disappointed as they bring all of their works and all of their things before Christ. And he's going to say, you never did attend my church. Oh, you mean I was a preacher? Yeah, but it wasn't my church. It was somebody else's. You see, Christ only started one kind, amen? It's the kind that believes and lives the Bible. He didn't start 57 varieties and say, well, you go pick whatever feels best to you. He said, my church is going to follow my word. I didn't grow up a Baptist. I became one, as every human being who is one today has to do. They, you have to become a Baptist. Nobody was born into the Baptist church. Not possible. You have to be born again into God's family, and then you can come and join the church. Amen? And so, as we look through here, Paul is saying, listen, I want to present every man perfect in Christ. If perfection was not able to be obtained, then what meaning does this passage have? Perfection is not the fact that we never do anything wrong. Perfection is 
that we are heading in the right direction and doing the things that God says. Amen? Let's get the right definition. And I, I, I hope I'm not being tedious here, but, you know, I just, I just feel like no matter how many times we redefine the perfection according to the Bible, everybody's just going to go home and say, well, I can't be perfect. Yes, you can. It's a command. And God wants you to be perfect. If you're saved, you're perfectly saved. Amen? If there's nothing between you and the Savior, then you're perfect according to the story of the rich young ruler. If you're serving God in the unity of faith inside his church, guess what? You're perfect. If you're growing in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and helping others to grow, you're perfect. If you live each day for the Lord Jesus Christ, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing for the mark, that is biblical perfection. It is something you can have right now. It is something you can have every day. And we look at chapter 3 and verse 14 of the book of Colossians. It says, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. If you love other people, it says that is the bond of perfectness. If you can look past yourself, amen? And what people do to you, if you can love other people, you put on charity. Charity, the best definition I can give you of charity, according to this word, this book called the Bible, it is not just simply love. It's love in action. It's love that does something. Amen? There's things that must happen. That's why we call them today charitable organizations. Why? Because they're doing something. They're supposed to help people. That's what a charitable organization does. Expecting nothing in return. That's charity. You want to have love and a relationship with another human being, especially as husband and wife? Start doing things and don't expect anything in return. That'll take your marriage an awful long way in the right direction. You can love your kids without expecting anything in return. They'll surprise you every time. If you're expecting something, you'll be disappointed every time, I promise you. Charity is the bond of perfectness. And one more and we'll be done. Chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Epaphras who is one of you, the servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. If you'll just do what God wants you to do, you'll be perfect when you stand before God. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It is obtainable and the writer of the book of Hebrews let's just go back and we'll at least read one verse in the book of Hebrews as we are supposed to be studying Hebrews anyway amen uh, Hebrews chapter 6 therefore verse 1 therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on unto what perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. We've just finished the first three verses of the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, we will move a little more quickly through the rest of the chapter. In fact, uh, we should come very close to finishing chapter 6 uh, next week, Lord willing. Uh, because there's a lot of things in the rest of the chapter that are all connected. But if we do not get this first 
three verses straight, the rest of the book of Hebrews is not going to make the sense. It's not going to, uh, we're not going to understand it as God wants us to understand it. Scripture must be put in its context. And the context is we're not to take our time and spend our whole life trying to get saved. We're not to spend our whole time trying to find repentance, trying to find faith in God, trying to repent from dead works, trying to be baptized, trying to uh, figure out the resurrection and eternal judgment. The Bible is very clear on those things. To anybody that just wants to read it, know what it says. We need to move on with our Christianity. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank you for your love to us. We thank you for the salvation that you've given us. Lord, I just pray that we'd be able to overcome the, the eternal barrage of the world, trying to redefine words that you put in the Bible. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grab a hold of these things and seek biblical perfection each day we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, just simply ask if you, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you need to come and spend a little time at the